Welcome back to the BCA podcast. Uh, we're a little bit off this week with uh, hunting season in full force and Thanksgiving and uh, having to throw some snow plowing in there as well. Uh, we've gotten our uh, first measurable snows. We got four inches or so on Monday night and about another four last night. So um, makes for some pretty good uh, tracking. I was out uh let me think, Tuesday morning, I guess, and um, saw a ton of tracks and uh, no deer, but a lot of deer tracks. So I knew that they had been in there within the last eight to 10 hours. Uh, they just were not there when I went in and sat down. And that seems to be the case with our deer season so far. Our last podcast was uh, recorded um, the night before opening day and um, if you'll remember, I was not able to hunt opening morning, um, but the crew saw a couple of good bucks chasing doe and uh, no shots. And so it was, uh, it got pretty discouraging, actually. There were, I hunted the next three or four days, didn't see anything. Hunted um, Thanksgiving morning, a bunch of us hunted. We didn't see anything. Hunted Friday morning. And I think if I, remember i believe it was friday morning maybe it was saturday morning um sat till about 11 uh, just outside a bedding area got down out of my stand and um was walking along the edge of the bedding area and bumped what i thought was a coyote and then got a second look at it as it was running down a trail and it was a injured fawn and uh I sent uh, a text to the, the boys and said, hey, there's a there's an injured fawn heading your way. And uh, my uh, son, Jake, was able to put that down. Um, and so that's that's always a little disappointing. Um, we were, you know, if you shoot something, you want to be able to uh, have a, a pursuit of it or there's a it just didn't feel right. But he knew he was doing the right thing. Um, we started skinning it and we're pretty sure it was hit by a car because it was just, it was rank inside and, uh, the meat was not salvageable. So that's been the extent of our deer season so far. Now here in New York, uh, we know the first week, um, is usually pretty crazy. Um, you know, there's a lot of hunters in the woods. They're pushing deer around. The deer quickly learn, um, to to bed down pretty hard um i've walked past deer the only way that they've gotten up is if i've like stopped some way in front of them and and they notice that um so and then thanksgiving there there's a lot of deer hunters but usually the second two weeks or the or the final two weeks of this season the deer start settling back into their patterns with the cold and the snow they uh um, uh, they tend to be, um, hitting food again in the afternoons. We usually see a second, uh, breeding phase of the rut. Um, and that'll probably be within the first week of December or so. And so there's, there's a good chance, um, to be able to, you know, to, to make good on a tag there too. So the season's not over. Uh, my favorite part of the season typically is, um, the, the late muzzle season, we get two, we get 10 days really after, um, the rifle season. 
And then there's about a week in there uh, of break. And then we get another late season, um, January, no, December 26th to January 1st. So I, I love both of those late seasons. It's colder, far less people in the woods, deer acting like deer again. Um, it, it's just, uh, those are, those are, when I think back on deer seasons now, those are the times that I, I cherish the most, I guess is the right word. So, uh, at this point you can probably guess, I don't have, uh, anybody with me today to record this. Um, we've got some different things we want to, uh, touch on here in the coming weeks, but, um, you know, with Thanksgiving break and everybody being back to work and, um, life just being what life is, uh, I'm here today by myself. So, uh, I'm going to share a story and then we'll probably, uh, that'll probably be it. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. Um, but I want to make sure that we're being consistent and getting something out, um, each week. So this, uh, this story is, uh, is called the roller coaster ride. And, um, and I realize it's deer season and only about half of this story is, is going to include a deer story, but, um, it's one that uh, that is included in my book, and um, and it's just a, a fun story. It, it you know it will hopefully conjure up some memories of the summer, as well as deer season. I appreciate you listening. The pursuit of wild game is a roller coaster ride full of dramatic ups and downs, and my experience has been that the predictability or unpredictability rather of wild animals lends itself to a wide range of emotions incredible moments of excitement followed by sudden and surprising flashes of disappointment the adrenaline rushes combined with the crashes of loss is a large part of why we hunt and fish it's the challenge of man versus beast at its most primal level Matching wits against God's instinct-driven creation can humble a man or boost his ego. As is the case with many things in life, the most memorable lessons frequently come from the failures, from the heartbreaks, and from the quote-unquote almost. These moments have been known to fuel our passions as well. I've been intrigued by the anecdotal observation that there are fishermen and there are hunters. Many do both, but they usually specialize or excel in one or the other. My brother got the fishing gene, while I got the DNA of a hunter. And my two sons are similar. My youngest boy seemed to have gotten the fishing bug when he was younger. But more recently, he has become quite the hunter as well. My older son has found success in the deer woods, taking some very nice bucks. Now, he enjoys time on the water as well, but it's more a hobby of convenience. He'll wet a fly on occasion, or if we're on the lake, he'll cast some crankbait when the urge hits. But it's not his life's passion. This summer, we vacationed on Canisius Lake, one of New York's famed Finger Lakes. And our first night at the cottage, my older son decided to do some casting off the dock just before dark. It really was just a mindless activity, something to occupy his time. 
He cast a flatfish lure several times without success and was nearing the end of his attention span when suddenly there was a massive tug on the end of his line. He had hooked into a large fish, and the clicking of a roller coaster car ascending to its apex echoed in his mind. His fishing rod bent violently as he fought to take up line. Giving and taking ground, he managed to win the fight, and he brought the sizable fish to the edge of the dock. The excitement radiated from him as he reached down and grabbed his trophy. It was the largest fish he had ever caught, a nice largemouth bass. With his thumb in the mouth of the beast, he turned to show it off to those of us who had gathered on the shore. And it was at that very moment that the roller coaster began its massive descent. The fish flipped and flopped in as they are known to do, and instantly the trophy returned itself to its watery home. My son was devastated. No pictures, no pats on the back, no bragging, no fillets for dinner, just the anticlimactic end of a previously exciting ride. My son continued to fish for a while in the vain hope that that fish might take the bait again. No such luck. I mentioned earlier that our disappointments can fuel our drive. And that was exactly what happened in this case. My son marked the time that he caught his fish, and he made sure he was out on the dock every night for the rest of the week fishing at that time. He caught several fish, but none large enough to restore the excitement of the one that got away. Towards the end of the week, my dad suggested that the two of them take the canoe out and fish along the docks down the edge of the lake. They returned after dark, navigating their way across the lake by the light of my son's smile. He had done it. He managed to tie into a walleye that had even surpassed the size of the bass that got away. He succeeded in getting this one in the boat without a net. And this time, to make sure he didn't lose his prize, he stacked everything he had in the canoe on top of the fish. After getting his leviathan on shore, he dispatched the beast and he began the work of preparing it for our dinner table. Both he and Papa beamed with excitement as the roller coaster ride came to a thrilling end. My heart was full of pride for my son. He had weathered the great highs and the extreme lows of the pursuit of God's wild beasts. The events of my son's fishing adventure reminded me of some of my own highs and lows, and I assure you, there have been many. It was opening morning of gun season many years ago as I sat in a tree stand tucked nicely into some tall conifers on the edge of a one-acre swamp in southern New York. It was cold with frost on the reeds in the swamp and there was steam coming from my mouth with each exhale. Shortly after sunrise, there was the unmistakable crunch, crunch, crunch of a deer making its way across the swamp towards me. I prepared myself for the inevitable shot as the deer revealed itself on the trail that ended at my tree stand, I could see it was a nice buck. I raised my shotgun, 
picked a spot on the deer, took a breath to steady my nerves, and I let the big dog bark. The buck instantly reeled around and headed back into the swamp. I watched as it went about 75 yards and laid down in the reeds. Yes, that's a dead buck. I took another deep breath. Then, as I always do, I pulled out a Reese's peanut butter cup to celebrate. And then I called my brother-in-law on the radio so that I could hear his famous words, you suck. I was at the pinnacle of the roller coaster ride, and perhaps if I sat longer, I could also harvest a doe. After about an hour, I decided to get down and recover my deer. I packed up my gear, I unloaded my gun, and I slowly made my way down the ladder. Back on terra firma, terra firma rather, I reloaded my Remington 870 pump, and with a lightness in my step, I walked to the spot where I had seen the buck lay down. Now, I didn't notice much blood on the way, but truth be told, I wasn't paying a lot of attention. I knew that buck was deceased. I followed the trail the buck made in the reeds and came around the turn to where I knew he had drawn his last breath. What I saw shocked me. He was laying there licking a small wound when I came around the corner, and he looked right up at me. We were both surprised to see each other. And much like in the movies, there was a moment when everything was in slow motion. In fact, I think we both screamed in that moment. And before I could raise my shotgun, the buck jumped up, leapt over my half-shouldered barrel, and disappeared. The roller coaster had just gone to its deepest trough, and then it came to a sudden end. I was completely dumbfounded. What just happened? That buck was dead. My brain strained to reconcile what it knew to be true with the reality that was now before me. To make matters worse, my previously dead buck left no blood trail to follow. My brother-in-law and I spent the remainder of the morning dry ground tracking my buck to no avail. I was emotionally destroyed. Now, I did manage to take away a lesson from that experience. In the medical world, it is said that a person is not dead until they are warm and dead, meaning that when a person passes away from exposure to the cold, they're not pronounced dead until their core temperature has been raised to 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit. The lesson for me in this scenario is that a deer is not dead until it is warm and dead. And by warm, I mean it's cooking in the pan or on the grill. Whether fish or deer, the pursuit of wild game is a roller coaster ride. It's a mix of exhilaration and devastation. It is a, a life of extremes that is accompanied by shock. I've missed gimme shots at 10 yards with both gun and bow. Shots that have been a sure thing that ended up in previously unseen trees. 
I've spent hours tracking a deer to the top of a hill only to come over the final rise to see the deer looking straight down at me as my head crests the edge of its bed, resulting in another moment of surprise for both me and the deer. I've had deer that magically disappeared. I've had bent fishing rods that suddenly went slack, and I've had traps that in one moment held the foot of a beautiful fox and in the next moment held nothing but disgust. Life in the outdoors is an amusement park ride full of screams of terror and shrieks of joy. Now, life in the real world is much the same. What determines sanity and spiritual health is how we react or respond to these crazy ups and downs. My early years were plagued with the idea that my successes and failures were all parts of, part of God's divine plan. Successes were somehow tied to my good behavior and failures were punishment for my sins. And it created an unhealthy fear of my Heavenly Father. When I became a dad, I learned that this is not how a loving father responds. We are forgiven through Christ Jesus, and as a result, our sins are separated from us as far as the East is from the West. While there are still consequences to our sin, our Heavenly Father doesn't hold grudges. God isn't looking for ways to torture us or opportunities to throw lightning bolts our way. While I believe God does orchestrate many of the events in our lives, sometimes life is just life. There isn't always a lesson to be learned or a cosmic plan to the events of life. The fact is, we live outside of Eden. The kingdom of God is here and not yet. And until it is fulfilled and Eden is restored, so to speak, there will be failures and there'll be successes. There'll be joys and there'll be disappointments. It's just life. Don't let it distract or derail you from loving God and loving others. Play the hand you are dealt. Keep your eyes on Christ. And remember, many are the plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 19:21. So strap in, keep your hands inside the cart at all times, and enjoy the ride. As I think about this, this chapter or this story, I think about this deer season that we're experiencing, and, and it has been uh, some ups and a whole lot of downs. Um, it's just been a, a season where uh, we are getting incredible photos. We're seeing more sign than we have ever seen on our property. We have hunted it uh, in, in a fashion that is, um, we believe is much better uh, than we have in the past. Uh, we've often talked about, well, I've got 200 or 230 hours in the woods. Well, we're trying to be smart about picking and choosing when we hunt this year. Um, and in many ways, we're seeing that uh, those as successes. I took a nice eight point during bow season, um, but we've also had some of the things that we would consider as downers, you know, or disappointments, where uh, those big bucks that we had on camera have all 
seem to disappear or uh, the the plethora of, d- of dough that we had in the in the spring and the summer have all moved to uh, to different food sources. Um, the work and time and money that we put into our food plot have has uh, has not panned out or played out the way that we had hoped. So there's there's ups and downs and and it used to be that um, that I would get to a place where I would be frustrated or angry or uh, I just need to ha- hunt harder. I need to um, get down and, and start moving the deer around and pushing them, or I need to um, spend more time, more hours in the woods. I got to be out there all the time. And maybe it's just getting old. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's just realizing that you're not going to shoot uh, your biggest buck every year. It might just be that some years, uh, life is just life and you don't get to take a buck. Last year, I didn't take uh, a buck with my rifle. And so far, I'm, I'm sitting in that same place. And honestly, I'm okay with that. Would I like to? Absolutely. But I've also had the opportunity to pass on a lot of younger bucks. I've passed on some younger looking doe. Um, I've had time in the woods. I've had time uh, with family, more time than I have in in previous years. Charlie has finished college and his home and uh, works four tens. So he's been able to hunt every Friday and Saturday. And Jake, even though living an hour away, he's been able to come home and hunt. And Rachel has returned to the deer woods for the first time in, in many years. And uh, the the BCA family has grown. Ryan has been out to hunt with us, and Kim has hunted numerous times, and and so we're we're experiencing life as life comes, um, and not so much as the the highs and the lows, but just as life is. And it's been a it's been an interesting lesson and an interesting challenge. Um, I have to keep my heart in check. I watch these uh, the Facebook posts or the Instagram posts really more than anything, and I think, when's it going to be my turn to to take one of those big boys, or uh, why are why am I not putting more deer on the ground? And um, and then I think you know, it's okay. It, life is good. We've got one in the freezer. We've got some left over from last year's six deer. And, uh, and it's okay. And quite frankly, uh, it means I don't have to be out in this cold weather skinning and, and butchering a deer. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to pursue them. doesn't mean I'm not still excited about it. doesn't mean I won't be up again tomorrow at 6 a.m. or in the woods. Uh, but it means that I'm learning to take these things in stride and to, uh, to enjoy uh, the time in the woods to enjoy the time with family and friends, and to realize that um, that each moment is precious, whether it's a, a, a slack fishing line or a, a deer that you were sure was dead, um, even as it ran off. So that's this week's podcast. I know it's short. Uh, we plan to record another one Friday night at deer camp and kind of give an update on, on how things are going. Um, we've got some fun discussions. We're going to talk about the ethics of, 
uh, of putting down an injured deer and uh, and some of what Jake was was experiencing as he as he did that. Um, and uh, and we also one of the other topics we're going to talk about is uh, we're seeing a number of posts about. Um, or memes rather that uh, I've prayed more in a deer stand than I ever have in church, and uh, and I get that, um, but there's some serious flaws in that uh, thinking, at least theologically. So we, we're gonna we're gonna touch a little bit on those. Um, we want to thank you. Uh, Thanksgiving, it's appropriate to be grateful and thankful. We want to thank you all for continuing to follow along with us for the feedback that we keep getting. Um, we we really enjoy doing this, um, and uh, and love inviting others into uh, into our conversations and into our lives. So uh, keep following, and we will uh, we'll connect with you next week, and maybe we'll have a deer to report on, and maybe not. But uh, um, you know, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. God bless. Have a great week.